Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Scottish Games Network podcast. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Ryan. I'm Brian. And I'm Andrew. And yeah, this week we've got a slightly weird episode. I haven't said that in ages. Every week for like 30 weeks I was like, oh, we've got a slightly different episode for you this week. And it almost became a catchphrase. And we've, we've got a format down, but... We're messing with it. It ain't broke, but we're fixing it. This week, because it's been such a massive <laughs> week in news, we're just covering everything we've spoken about on the website. And there's a reason for that. It's because, you know, whether it's the, the one-year anniversary of lockdown or whether it's because every single games-related business in Scotland shames the same, the same PR person, or maybe it's just because they're so massively uncoordinated. But everyone... Everyone that we've ever heard of in our lives has released news and fairly significant news this week. So we have been running around like robotic Japanese beavers trying to get all of these um, incredibly good news stories written up and published and shared out there. So it's all good stuff, but it just means that there's so much going on that we're not going to take our deep dive into something. Instead, what we're going to do is is focus on a couple of the areas that that are highlighted by the news. and really try to give you folks some context as to why we think it's important and why everything that's happening right now is going to make things better for everybody. I'm loving the oddly specific simile of Japanese robotic beavers. That's a, That was an interesting one. It threw me off a little bit. It, they work damn hard. Hey, I, I must have just been... You've been being slow there. Oh, well. So, guys, uh, we'll we'll try and keep our regular format somehow this week. So, what have you been playing this week? Well, I actually do have something new to speak about this week. Um, I recently played a mobile game, which is something that I don't find myself doing very often, just because I've never really had the tech for it. But um, I came across, well, we came in contact with anyway, a Scottish developer called Cloud Colony. And last year during during COVID, they, or during the beginning of the pandemic, they released a Escape the Room type game called uh, Escape, colon, The Cabin. And I, you know, I've seen lots of these kind of Escape the Room games going about, but I would say that for for such a, I guess for a small team, uh, there's, there's only a few of them working on this game. They've made something that has just a lovely kind of style and production value. It's kind of got a sort of witch theme, uh, this Escape the Room game. And uh, just a kind of color palette that, I don't know, it has this very kind of like soft and welcoming sort of tone that is very different to the kind of, I don't know, more kind of horror adjacent or I don't know thriller type thing that you tend to see in stuff like you know like the I think was the room is the name of like the real popular yeah uh, I, I believe it's, or something, it's right? called that yeah and it, it has like a more of like a Da Vinci Code type <laughs> yeah aesthetic right the the room was uh, was a breakout hit for fireproof games and it was one of those you know a virtual puzzle box type thing you know you started off with a a box and it was on top of a chest and the chest was a cabinet and uh, there were lots and lots of hidden things lots of puzzles um beautifully realized so but i'm really excited to hear that that's something that's coming out of of cloud colony because they've kind of been on our radar for a little while but we've never actually spoken to them so is is the game out now are we are we going to be able to sort of talk yeah. about it write about it play it at some point oh absolutely it's 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 free and uh it is it's been out since last summer and i get the impression that it, it is kind of the first of a of a series or kind of a you know a prototype for bigger things to come because it's it's just a very you know polished really well realized short escape game you know like uh, at the very end it, it tells you your time and it gives you the option to tweet it at the devs to show them how long it took and you know my time was like just under 20 minutes and that seemed to be kind of about the average there's some people doing it in two minutes but who knows who they are <laughs> um but yeah so i, I mean uh, by all means like there's uh, you can play it in you know in a lunch break or something and uh, definitely, definitely recommend it. Escape, colon, the cabin. 
Maybe if I can hook my phone up to YouTube, we can have another stream, uh, which leads me into what I've been playing this week, which is, uh, well, I played a little bit of it on Monday, you can see that on the channel, it's Island Saver, and I have not stopped thinking about it since Monday, but I refuse to play it unless I'm streaming, so next Monday I'll play some more, and it just, it caught me incredibly off guard, I was like, okay, it's a children's game, sure, and I don't know if it's because of lockdown or you know, what it is, but just that, the tone of the game and the aesthetic, just, it, it really appealed to me, and I think it was just what I was needing at that point, it was just something nice and calm and colourful, and there's no time limits or stress, and it was just a lot of fun, and, I mean, it's teaching kids about banking as well, which is awesome, and that later went and inspired chatting as well, so I'm just going to promote everything that's been on the channel this week, because uh, <laughs> no one else will, so I might as well. <laughs> There's a reason that Island Saver has got, you know, 20, 30,000 people on YouTube all playing it, none of whom are 6 to 13. It's it's charming, it's delightful, it's fun, it, and as you say, it doesn't come with the effing vertical difficulty level that can force you to rage quit and just you know give up or scream in frustration um yeah it's it's a beautiful piece of work and it was really nice um i i tuned in when you were playing and just watching you playing it was actually quite relaxing and quite you know um stress free it was it was lovely um and all the bank moles and you know i think i've i think i've got a hang of this tax thing now it's, so the government is an evil <laughs> robot that takes 10% of everything that you earn, but in return you get a tax token so you can then go and invest in infrastructure projects. Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, that's kind of, it, so, it, you can use tax tokens to empty the bins, that's kind of the idea. Yeah, um, yeah no, it was a lot of fun and uh, anyone who did turn up to the live stream got to meet everyone's new best friend, Daryl the Loon, uh, who is a a rhinoceros <laughs> bankamol and what a lad he is or what a loon he is even so uh yeah i think if you're if you're lost as to what that what we're talking about the stream is up on youtube to watch so uh do that before monday so then you can come and join us on our like, our next installment it'll be a lot of fun i'll be there I'll definitely be there. I've, I've not met the Rhino yet, so so that's something to look forward to. Um, well, as as a resident mobile gaming fan, I've been I've been playing uh, a couple of games. Um, very specifically, I've been looking at uh, choose your own adventure branching narrative games, and there's two in particular that have kind of really caught me at the moment. There's there's one called Unread, but without the vowels, so U N R D because it's a bit West Coast and hip, man. Um, and the other one is called Erica. And they're both beautiful um, and completely different takes on um, branching narrative, you know. Essentially, it's choose your own adventure, you know. It's, you could do it with text um, if you went all the way back to the days of Infocom and interactive fiction. But um, it's using the uh, the capabilities in the iPhone, it's using the touch screens really well, it's using the microphone and so on. Um, but it's storytelling, but it's interactive storytelling and it's beautifully done. Um, in both cases, I'm not entirely sure which one I prefer right now, but uh, because I, I do a spot of teaching and I've got uh, creative writers, screenwriters, who are really, really interested in how they can take their skills into gaming. So I was, I've been recommending these games, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should play them. Um, and I'm glad I did because, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a whole lot of fun. Was Erica FMV? Or am I thinking of her story? I'm thinking. I think I'm thinking of her they're, story. They're, they're all. They're all along the same lines. You okay, know, her so story. All... Her story was kind of one of the, the the pioneers, the forerunners. But they're all. They're all doing vaguely similar things. You know, at, at one point, if we're serious about doing a a let's play or a stream that's not a Scottish game, I would heartily recommend uh, the uh, Ripper which was one of the very early interactive movies that starred Christopher Walken at a particular low point in his career. Um, and this was way before green screen became a thing. And his own particular delivery, which is unique at the best of times, because it was non-linear and they had nothing to sort of, no context for it. it, it mm. It's bizarre. It's like a rap video by Christopher Walken that's extended over hours and it has to be said that the plot and the performances and everything are utterly fucking awful 
Uh, but that's a, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a different podcast and a stream for another time. I mean, if we're going to speak about uh, terrible performances in FMV games, then we have to mention Tim Curry in Command & Conquer Red Alert 3, right? Don't you dare. Don't you dare go for the curry. Oh, the it, man is a legend, and rightly so. Why oh, don't we go for Josh Holloway, Sawyer out of Lost in, in um, Command & Conquer? Uh, well, you know. I think I'm going to go and throw in the... Uh, the space line in this episode right now. I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space! Okay, I've just created more work for myself, but it, uh, it's a good time. It's a good laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, like, I have never heard a line delivered with so much enthusiasm in my life as... Um, Tim Curry's uh, The One Place Uncorrupted by Capitalism line is incredible and yeah, you're welcome listener because you've just heard it. Um, and, and you know, by all means, throw in a picture of, of Josh Holloway from Command and Conquer as well. Or a picture of him in Lost with his top off. That might even get us you know, a few more views. Oh, well, there we go. You know, <laughs> but I can do this episode. So uh, let's get into the, the meat of this episode. Let's get into the this our main body if you were yeah yeah (laughs) from beefcake to meat Uh, we'll go (laughs) we apologize to all the vegetarians pescatarians and vegans in our audience Uh, we love you all and you're all very welcome (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, yeah so let's get into our news because that is uh that's going to take us a fair while this week (laughs) yeah So let's go for, uh, let's start off with the UK games market hits a new £7 billion high. Now, was this yourself, Andrew? It was, it was Brian. No, okay. was Brian. It was me. Brian. Uh, it was, I mean, this is great news. So this this was a report that came out from uh, the folks at UK. Big up to our friends at UK. They do some absolutely incredible work. Um, and they have broken down uh, the value of the UK games market in terms of uh, retail in terms of online sales, in terms of physical products, in terms of streaming, mobile, console, PC. They've given you absolutely everything. And the bottom line, the takeaway is that the UK games market is bigger than it has ever been. £7 billion it was worth in 2020. And that's incredible. You know, while we've got people out there arguing over, um, you know, fishing and and coal mining and, and various manufacturing industries and everything, the games sector continues to show that it is quite simply one of the most valuable industries that we have and that the UK as a whole has an incredible amount of talent and, and a, a huge audience for that talent. Mm. So it, it, I thought it was really, really interesting, really gratifying. Um, and Luke Hebblewhite, who's the, the, the research manager at UK, has done an absolutely wonderful dro- job breaking all of this down. But I mean, what, how can you argue with this? It, it's OK, we've had a pandemic. OK, we've had a lockdown. It's been a bit of an unusual year. But we all know that this is just going to keep going and keep going because there's such a demand for games. And And, you know, going back to what we were just saying, they're no longer trapped on console. You don't have to have a high-end PC. The device in your pocket can play pretty much anything. You know, if I'm fundamentally handing my heart being honest, I think I played more time last week playing Doodle Jump 2 than than any of the sort of the more academically rigorous games that I should have been. But it's Doodle Jump 2. It was really good fun. Um, you know, so so this is this has got to be positive. If you're studying video games, if you're teaching, lecturing video games, if you're if you're researching, making, publishing, developing, or writing about video games, this is a, a massive boost. It shows that what you're doing has real value, um, mm. because it's not going to be very long before we're looking at a ten billion dollar uh, or a de- ten billion pound industry. Um, so this has to be good for all of us, right? Yeah, no, definitely. It's like right. any time news like this comes out, it's just it's a massive boost to the industry, and it just shows how impactful we are. And yeah, going back to the whole thing about yeah, games not just being a console and PC thing anymore. Uh, they are more widely played than ever, as reflected by the seven billion pound you know worth of them. But you know, like everyone plays a game like my mum will tell you that she does not touch video games she doesn't she doesn't understand them she doesn't like them and yet she'll play candy crush saga on her you know tablet or whatever 
while the ad breaks are on for Corey or whatever. You know, like people, there's more people playing video games now than ever, and I think that's just going to keep growing as the industry expands and finds new angles as well. Like we were speaking on the channel earlier this week about educational games. As educational games get away from just the the sort of what we we associate with them, you know, sort of being a bit a bit clunky and boring, not as high quality as like AAA titles. Like you know, as we get more into that and they're used in the classroom and stuff, then games is just they're just going to keep expanding. Yeah, I mean, we've got two fantastic examples in Scotland. We've got Island Saver that you've just you know been playing and enjoying. And I would argue that Minecraft is the single largest or you know, most successful educational piece of software ever created. It's got a huge audience with, you know, the under 16s for a reason. And it's the reason is it's really good fun. I almost added to the the episode of chatting this week that uh, Minecraft has a an educational mode, uh, educational edition. And the only problem I had with it was uh, because I was writing and recording in the same day, just because the start of the week was a wee bit busy, I didn't have time to find out exactly the full extent of it, and I didn't want to do it at the service. And if I'm honest, Mojang, you need to get on your or not Mojang anymore is Microsoft. Uh, you need to get on your website a wee bit because there was like three bullet points and it didn't describe what it adds to Minecraft. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to spend more time researching this. But yeah, like, you know, with Minecraft becoming more educational and, you know, it's being used in the classroom, then that's that's groundbreaking in, in and of itself, you know? I mean, there's the extent to, as well in in that conversation we were having earlier on uh, with Elton and from Team Junkfish that, that, you know, games are often educational in ways that they're not necessarily, you know, they're not necessarily designed to be that way, but um, there's all sorts of skills that people are people are reapplying elsewhere so i think that definitely applies to minecraft as well there's a whole generation of kids that have this kind of creative and problem solving mindset that that comes from there for sure well this is it and and you know if we go back to the previous uh, you know the, the uk games market hitting seven billion this is this is the games market in a commercial sense you know this isn't taking into account all the ways in which gaming and interactive media as a technology can transform education you know, we could still be seeing an even bigger market if we actually get more involved. And we're going to come to this in one of the, the later stories um, in all of the different aspects of society. You know, games have a huge amount to offer in education and healthcare and well-being. You know, we had the whole session at the, the Playway Festival looking at the value of games for education and mental health and well-being. Um, mm. And these are areas that I think we could we could absolutely pursue. To, to drive us into, you know, ever ever more people's lives and make games more than just mere entertainment. Do you know, we mentioned Minecraft earlier and that transitions us perfectly into our next stories, which is uh, 4J founders have created uh, Chroma Ventures. Now, Brian, was this your one again? This was me, yeah, this is fantastic. So, um, Chris van der Kyle, Paddy Burns, very well-known figures in Scotland's games industry and the, the founders of 4J Studios um, have created their own uh, venture capital, their own funding offshoot and uh, a new outfit called Chroma Ventures. And they're looking to invest in companies initially across Scotland and the UK, but then they've got global aspirations. But they're looking for smart, data-driven businesses. Now there's just as much reason for that to be a games company than there is to be anything else. They've already invested in one Dundee studio uh, called Puny Astronaut, and they're currently working on their first game, Sky Tales. But they've also uh, invested in a, a recipe box company called Parsley Box, uh, an insurance tech company uh, called Broker Insights, um, TV Square to do uh, data monitoring um, for, for television advertising. Uh, you know, there's they're really going across the board here. Um, but the fact that we've got two people who started in video games, who made um, their, their first kind of steps into industry in video games, made all their money in video games, um, is phenomenal. And so this should really be a golden opportunity for games companies in Scotland, new teams in Scotland, to really look seriously at how you get yourself investment ready, how you go to somebody and say, invest in us as a company, not just in this particular project, not just in this one idea. It's we are a company with long term 
prospects, give us your money. Um, because they're experts, you know, they've done this, they've been there, they built Viz, they've built 4G, you know, they've, they've done original IP, they've been licensing stuff. It, it's, they've been around the block, folks. And I think there's a really strong, strong story here, which is all of a sudden, Scotland's games industry has a funding channel that has come from within video games. And, and that's a really, really powerful thing. So, you know, it's we need to now look at how we start getting new businesses, new companies, teams with a good idea to the point where they are investment ready so they can get in front of Chris and Paddy and the Chroma team and say, you should invest in us. Yeah, like, it's, it's all, like, you know, when you said about sort of there's no reason why games companies can't apply for this funding and apply to sort of, you know, get backed by Chroma. It is almost like they're sort of giving back in a way, isn't it? Like they're sort of going to smaller devs and being like, here's here's an opportunity to get your name out there. I, I, I think it's really, yes, but I think it's really important to say this is a venture firm, right? They're not, it's not a charity. Yeah. No, they're not giving they're out looking for free, for, yeah. They're looking for companies that can grow, that can give them a return. You know, and, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing because that shows that there's a healthy business. If they're if they're investing in you, it's because they see a return. They see a long-term, you know, value in what you're doing. Um, beyond the, we've got a good idea, that's not investable. You know, we are an amazing pioneering company that is doing X, whatever X happens to be, that's investable. So, you know, it's... It, it, yeah, it's not a universal panacea, but I think it's a, it's a fantastically good addition to the Scottish landscape that we didn't have last week. Well, it's like, and not only are you getting, you know, cash with this investment, you're also getting the expertise of, you know, business, like, you know, a successful business owner, regardless if you make games or if, you know, whatever you're doing. These guys, yeah, like you say, they've been there, done that, worn the t-shirt, made the film, you know, like... They've they've done everything. Like they they know exactly what they're talking about. So so forgive me. I, I I don't know too much about the the relationship, but I do think that the the relationship they have with Puny Astronaut is something a little like that, right? Like the Puny Astronaut is like the office is inside 4G. I think. No. Okay. No. Like so no 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 no. It's so we're talking about separate companies. 4G Studios is a games development studio right. that does the console versions of Minecraft. Uh. Chris and Paddy had Tayforth Properties, which is their property, commercial property arm that built Water's Edge, which is the the kind of kick-ass right. rocking and rolling um, new facility down at the side of the Tay and Dundee's um, booming waterfront. Um, and Puny Astronaut are located there. But they're located there because they got mm. investment through what is now Chroma Ventures. So, you know, right. it, it's 4G is still 4G. 4G makes video games. 4G does not invest in people and 4G doesn't make offices. So it's the same people behind it. It's Chris and Paddy, but mm -hmm. um, they've got a lot going on. You know, I don't think they're sitting around playing video games very often. Yeah. Moving swiftly on uh, after that economics and business lesson uh i think i need a, a wee respite and we'll speak about uh, another game studio we'll speak about uh firefly in aberdeen this was a follow-up to last week's five game studios in aberdeen piece and because i didn't realize that there was such a big studio up here i just felt like i had to contact them and see what was going on and so we spoke with dave robertson from firefly He's been up here, well, he's been working for the company since Stronghold 2, which is about 16 years, I believe. And yeah, he's like, it was just a really interesting conversation about what they do um, up, uh, up here and, you know, how they interact with the games ecosystem in Aberdeen and also just further afield. And it was, it was just nice to speak, if I'm honest, just to speak to someone from my hometown about how they're making video games. And... Yeah, like Dave worked as a producer on the latest title, uh, their latest title, uh, Stronghold Warlords, which we covered reasonably extensively uh, last week. So, yeah, I think the best thing to do is just this is a this is a very sort of 
standard sit down and chat sort of interview piece so yeah link to that in the show notes if you want to find out a wee bit more about the Aberdeen QA branch of Firefly. So, so is, is that yeah, some fun wee anecdotes in there as well? Oh yeah definitely. Yeah yeah, yeah so, so is that the kind of the primary focus of the studio do they do all the QA test yeah, so they are primarily a QA uh, branch. Um, they they do have sort of people doing other things and stuff as well, which and they've got they quite can... a lot of community going on. I, I I think. Yeah, as far as I could gather, yeah, we only had a, a sort of short email exchange with Dave. So I would definitely like a follow up piece, and potentially, if you'd like, we could maybe do a YouTube video or something where we can sit down and chat with him properly, especially since, you know, lockdown, the end is in sight. We can actually do face-to-face interviews again. We can actually do the proper journalism stuff, which will be good fun. Well, having having our Aberdeen correspondent talk to one of our Aberdeen studios just makes sense, Ryan. You I mean, know, without having to pay for translators and, you know... Well, that, that's it, it yeah. The um, the Doric tongue's quite a quite a difficult one to wrap your head around. So, you know, it's fine. I'll translate for you. I mean, of course, at a higher rate, uh, fee than what I, I normally charge for my, my services. <laughs> but that's just... The... Consider, consider your normal rate doubled. That's perfect for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, yeah, but... It was yeah, like I said, it was just a lot of fun. It was a nice wee piece uh, because yeah, I'm I'm from up here. I sort of spoke about you know the local sort of games sort of focusing businesses like the uh, the two gaming cafes and 40G, which again we spoke about last week, and how they interacted with it. And Dave had a great wee anecdote about how they uh, competed in the Overwatch thing that I mentioned and won. So that was really nice. cool. So, if you listened to last week's episode and you were like, oh, 40G sounds quite cool, then that's another reason to read the article because, yeah, there's more info there and a more personal touch to it. This, okay, idea, guys. We need to start a Scottish Games Networking esports league. All the companies, the developers, it's like every company out there, it's, there's going to be people who are playing against each other because people get into the games industry because they love games. Um, yeah, we need to hook up with either Esports Scotland or British Esports, and let's make this happen. Because oh, yeah. if the colleges, if the colleges can compete against each other, you know, for a cup, I think having, you know, the industry competing against itself or against the colleges or <gasps> out into the universities, a Scotland-wide games industry esports smackdown. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll be playing into Firefly Aberdeen's hands if we start with an Overwatch tournament. So uh, we might want to change that just to show that we're not being biased. But yeah, could you imagine like a Team Junkfish versus 4J Smackdown event? Oh, now that is something I want to see. I can. I can indeed. And I was thinking of starting a little more modestly, maybe chess by email, and we can work up from there. Well, I was, I, I was thinking like, you know, full blown, you know, using, take full advantage of the, the Dundee esports arena that was coming and, you know, have pyro and lighting effects and, you know, entrance yeah, music like in WWE. This, com- this coming from the only streamers slash podcasters slash games broadcasters in Scotland who don't have violet backlighting anywhere. We're a disgrace, gentlemen. An absolute disgrace. Yeah. Uh, until we get that sorted out, until we can make it look like we're working from a Jeffrey's tube on the Enterprise D, <laughs> I don't think we've got any right to go casting any sort of opinions or holding any sort of views about esports. We we need to start a Patreon so we can all so people can fund us into getting <laughs> purple backlighting. If you want to see purple, purple backlighting in the chat, uh, the chatting videos every Wednesday at five PM, then uh, you're gonna have to invest. <laughs> I think that's entirely fair, and and you know I'm actually writing that down now. I think this is a fabulous new direction, Ryan. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming up with it. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I piggybacked on an idea. I can't take full credit for it. <laughs> but um, okay, well, I mean, I guess I'm not even going to try to segue into this one because uh, how do we after speaking about purple backlighting? Does anyone want to give it a go? <laughs> I can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Okay, Brian, mm-hmm. drum roll, please. So, from purple backlighting, because obviously it's everybody's now trying to get into video games, whether it's as a developer, whether it's as a, an esports player or broadcaster. But if you're interested in development, one of Scotland's leading 
games platforms, which is aimed specifically at helping people get into game development, Game Maker Studio from YoYo Games was in the news again this week. How was that? I mean, that was as good as uh, like it was a, anyone else. It was else. around the houses. Yeah, it but... It was around the houses. I mean, I don't think there's a more direct comparison unless you're like, oh, well, I mean, you could make purple backlighting in <laughs> Game Maker Studios. <laughs> that's that's through the houses with a bulldozer yeah that's that's the most like you know maybe a little on the nose as as they say in broadcasting anyway like so we've been running a series of case studies that we created uh, towards the end of last year with the team at in-game the innovation center in dundee focused on the dundee gaming cluster and this week we got to yoyo games uh the company who are the creators of game maker studio if you've not come across Game Maker Studio yet, it's a games engine, much like Unity, much like uh, Unreal, but focused on 2D gaming and aimed at a, a, a more novice game developer. So the, the, the idea for the platform is to help people get into video games without having to learn the intricacies of coding, without having to, you know, sit down and actually master Java, JavaScript, Python, C Sharp or whatever. And it's done it incredibly successfully. So it's now had well over 10 million downloads. It's got a hugely active um, community all over the world, across pretty much every channel. You'll find them on Reddit, you'll find them on Facebook, you'll find them on YouTube, pretty much everywhere. It's used in thousands of schools around the world. And it's a fantastic tool for engaging with young people in STEM you know, or STEAM. Um, subjects, science, technology, engineering, arts and maths. And it lets you make cool video games. And uh, it's not just an educational tool. There are a growing number of games out there um, across all of the consoles, you know, out onto Steam and everything. There are games that you may well have played that you'll certainly have heard of that were created using Game Maker because it's a fantastically fast tool it's great for prototyping you know a lot of people a lot of professional game developers use it to build prototypes or to enter game jams and there are some really fascinating statistics when i was talking to the team um you know it's when you look at the teams entering game jams who come from a professional software development background the the more uh, advanced the the game the more likely it is that they were using Game Maker at some point because it's optimized for speed and simplicity. So it's it's a wonderful company. It's a wonderful product. And it was a great case study to be able to carry because, again, it just highlights the the real diversity of the, the sector in, in, in and around Dundee and really shows that uh, when it comes to ga- not just games, but games technology, Scotland has a huge amount to offer. Yeah, no, I'm just, I just yeah, while you were sure. speaking about that, I just went on the uh, Yo-Yo Games website because they've got a games showcase of, you know, games made with yeah. Game Maker Studio. And, yeah, there's some, you know, quite big titles here. Uh, Hyper Light Drifter was pro- is probably the biggest yeah. name that I'm Hotline seeing. Hotline Miami, another one. Is Hotline Miami? Uh, do you know what? They don't have it here unless... Yeah. Well, view more. There is a view more and section. Y- so you were playing do. Gunpoint recently, right? Uh, I was speaking about Gunpoint recently, and yes, um, yeah, game that I absolutely adore. Uh, yeah, made in Game Maker. Uh, so yeah, like there's definitely more to it than just like, oh, it's a it's a, it's a wee game you can make, like a wee game making tool that you can sort of make a, a wee title, and it's not going to go anywhere. It's just like a wee practice thing. It's it's definitely no, so much more not. than that, and yeah. you can do. I mean, it's a full development tool essentially. Yeah. It, it exists for a reason and it exists for a reason in that lots and lots of people want to make video games not everybody has the coding skills and that shouldn't necessarily be a barrier you know just like in the bad old days before youtube if you wanted to get out there in front of people if you were lucky enough to live in the us you had public access but if you lived anywhere else then you were stuffed and then youtube and we all became citizen journalists, and now here we are in the age of influencers. I don't know what the lesson is there, but I think it's um, fear the future. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't embrace change. Everything's killing whatever industry that you're talking about. Uh, you know, streaming's killing gaming. Uh, you know, we've spoken about this before, <laughs> but yeah, essentially that's what we're. Oh. That's the main takeaway. Yeah. The one the one constant in, video, in the video game sector is change. It's like, embrace it, guys. Run with it. 
it's like it's not going to slow down if anything it's just going to get quicker and quicker if you look at the start and end of generation uh, console generations throughout the years there's bigger technology jumps each time you move up a generation so it's it's definitely not slowing down anytime soon we should probably move on to another another news story now again i believe brian this is yours this is the mark logan to lead scotland seven million pound tech focused recovery and yeah i think we alluded to this earlier we definitely mentioned it either that or we mentioned it before the show started and i'm just getting confused and if so i've now just confused all of you because you're going i can't remember them mentioning that but yeah brian why didn't you tell us a bit about this okay so this is this is probably the biggest story of the last year when it comes to scotland's uh, video game sector and scotland's tech sector as a whole so back in 2020 the scottish government commissioned a guy called mark logan to review our tech ecosystem, right? Not just the industry, not just the companies who are making software and making technology, but the way it's taught, the way it's funded, the success of our whole technology ecosystem. And Mark is one of the one of the founders of Skyscanner, who were one of Scotland's first tech unicorns. Now, tech unicorn is a company that's valued at a billion dollars on the market. So they, along with FanDuel, were one of the first two in in the whole country. And Mark produced a 98-page report looking at everything across three broad sectors, education, infrastructure, and funding. And I thoughtfully created a 2,000-word summary that uh, we posted on the Scottish Games Network. Because essentially what he he did was look at how we create more successful companies on a more consistent basis that are making more money and that we can really put Scotland up alongside a lot of the other global hubs for digital technology. Obviously, digital technology includes video games. And this was a fantastic, pioneering, groundbreaking piece of work. And uh, the Scottish Government accepted it in full for this year's programme for government. Obviously, things are going to start pausing fairly soon because we've got an election coming up. But what they've done is they've just announced that Mr. Logan will be leading the implementation of his review and they have given them £7 million worth of funding in order to go and and address this. And that's phenomenal. You know, it's, I mean, I know some people will say, well, it's not enough money or it's not, you know, a significant chunk of money. But if you read the review, if you get that the government has accepted this in full, this could lead to a fundamental change across pretty much every single aspect of digital technology in Scotland. The way it's taught from primary schools up to up to universities, the way that universities encourage students to explore and experiment and, and spin out into their own businesses, their own companies and try new and products and services and technologies. And the way that, that uh, startups and studios are supported, you know, the facilities that they've got, it's, there's a whole network of tech incubators, tech accelerators um, planned um, with five across the whole of the country trying to replicate things that, you know, are already happening at Codebase in Edinburgh and Aberdeen and Stirling and so on and so forth. So this could have a really, really fundamental impact on everything to do with Scotland's tech industry. You know, we should have more talented people coming through. We should have more people entering college and university. We should have more entrepreneurial people coming out the other end. We should have more businesses that have more business skills. And you know, in the podcast in the past, we've, we've mentioned several times, it's we don't lack technical or creative skills, but we sure as hell lack the business skills in order to make successful companies. So this is a big, big project and it could really have an impact quite quickly because part of the announcement was that they're releasing a million quid um, in the next few weeks specifically to look at um, funding organisations, conferences and trade shows and training specifically to upskill and to specifically to position Scotland on a global stage. And the Scottish Games Network has already started talking to a lot of people about this, specifically 
to tap into this to make sure that the games industry, the games ecosystem is tied into this because this is our opportunity to take things to an entirely new level. And if you want a little bit of context, this also ties into two other announcements that we did in the last week. One was that Scotland has just announced its digital strategy, which is the way in which government and public sector utilise digital technology for the benefit, you know, the benefit of everybody, every citizen, whether it's through your engagement with the public sector, your local authority, um, all the way through to digital identity, the use of data within government. Um, the pioneering CivTech programme is going to be embraced and enshrined at the heart of, of government and public sector. It, again, all really, really good news if you consider the games industry to be part of our digital ecosystem. And then the Scottish Government also released its AI strategy, which is an ethical and professional approach to the utilisation of artificial intelligence within Scotland, again, every level of government and society, for the betterment of the country and to make us a more digital and a smarter society. And it very specifically outlines that uh, games have a role to play. There's a case study that the Scottish Games Network wrote specifically looking at the use of AI in video games, going all the way back to the earliest days um, of, of the games industry globally. But all of these things tie together and they're all incredibly important pieces of work because this is an opportunity, this is a chance to make Scotland the best place in the world to make video games. And I don't think anybody out there listening to this could argue with that. So, really excited. <laughs> Forgive me for fanboying, but oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So there's a few. I'm I'm going to play the the layman's role here. I mean, obviously I'm playing the role, and it's not because I don't know what these things are. But um, so for those of us who, who are not so sure, what is CivTech? CivTech was a program created by the Scottish government, which looked at disrupting the public sector procurement process. Right? right, which sounds incredibly dull, but it's actually, okay. it, it, no, it does. It sounds, I'm, I'm boring myself. Um, look, if you're trying to get a problem solved in the public sector, then you've got to put it out to tender and you've got to write a, a, a proposal and you've got to sort of put it out there and get, it's all, the, a lot of big companies apply for it. You know, you've got your Sodexos and your, you know, all the big companies that you see in the, in the tabloid press. Um, what CivTech did was basically say, we have got houses in Glasgow, we need to figure out if they're energy efficient or if they're damp or if they're safe. Okay, here is the problem. And they stick it out and they let startups and they let, you know, young, agile, you know, tech-focused businesses go, oh, we've got a solution for this and it could be Internet of Things. And what we need to do is we need a couple of sensors in each house connected wirelessly. Boom, done. You know, um, or something as simple as, as having a a data analytics company look at the use of public uh, waste bins in Stirling. This was an actual thing. Um, so they just used data to say, actually, if you change the routes and you change the timing, you can empty these bins. You're not going to have them overflowing or anything by adopting this schedule. And everyone's going to be happy and it's going to save you tens, hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. Job done. Right, yeah. You know, okay. so it's being it's a smarter way of solving problems at a government and public level to try and make things better without going through the hugely tortuous process of procurement and, and all of this kind mm. of stuff. And it's another way for getting young, agile companies involved, you know. And I would really, really hope that in the near future we start to see some games companies getting into this as well. Because again, if you look at the applied games you look at serious games we can do way more than blow shit up man you know we can yep. we can really help with education with healthcare, with mental health well-being all of the good stuff that we keep banging on and 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 on about um so you know we we it's it's a really pioneering program it's now been picked up in a lot of countries around the world there's a civ tech alliance that started in scotland but is now being used in countries not just across uh, Europe, but out into uh, the US, South America, Eastern Europe, etc. So, yeah, we rock, man. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, almost almost worth a whole podcast in and of itself, and that might See, I, that might be something that we we can do in the future. Yeah, not just video games. I span the genres. I am Johnny Lasers. Talking of spanning, I reckon we should span our way through these uh, news stories because we're we're 
need to make up time here, so what, why don't we speak about Ninja Kiwi being acquired for $142 million. Ninja Kiwi's Balloons series uh, that started as, started as a Flash game that I think probably everyone must have touched at some point or another. Like, it's, it was just one of those ubiquitous games. I, but then, you know, kind of uh, made the jump to mobile with the help of a uh, Dundee developer who became part of Ninja Kiwi and uh you know became a terror defense thing and just this big phenomenon that same ninja kiwi was recently acquired by the swedish company modern times group who if they are ringing a bell they were also the company that recently uh, purchased hutch games as well which brian mentioned earlier on so another huge investment in a dundee situated or at least partially dundee situated company they're loving the the dundee these uh swedish tech <laughs> giants yeah what's, what's going on here more specifically primarily mobile developers like you know the sort of biggest thing mm. that i saw from hutch i think it was me that covered that position a couple of months ago month ago something like that was uh their f1 manager series which is a mobile title and now yeah, they've got the Dundee mobile developer of uh, T- Balloons Terror Defense. They're really schnaffling up all those uh, mobile developers down in Dundee. Yeah, I mean, this is this is another great story for the, the Scottish games, the Scottish games industry because mer- mergers and acquisitions are usually a sign that you've got something good going on, um, and a lot of people go, "Oh God, a company's been acquired. It's they're no longer Scottish." Blah 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 blah. But the reality is, you know, Ninja Kiwi were doing something that had real value. And MTG are not a, a dumb outfit. You know, they, they're they trying to specialise. They're trying to sort of capture the biggest market share that they can in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, so, so they're looking at uh, city building and strategy through their acquisition of any games. Um, mobile racing through Hutch. Uh, they've also, they're the owners of Congregate. Um, you know, Congregate got... Dot com, which used to be one of the sort of the the, the biggest online and um, kind of flash games, um, and so they but they've really sort of come through with the the, the uh, evolution of idle games, and now they're moving into tower defense thanks to Ninja Kiwi and Bloons TD. So you know it, it might not be your idea of a traditional publisher, you know, the Activision Blizzards and EAs and so on and so forth. But it's a really big, broad, dynamic, and massively, uh, you know, um, commercially successful industry out there, and and there are players out there for for absolutely everything. So MTG are clearly seeing a lot of opportunity to to acquire the audiences and acquire the expertise in all of these different areas. And um, yeah, hats off to Ninja Kiwi. They have made balloons and monkey-based gaming their own. Andrew, you hit the the nail on the head earlier about how not like everyone must have played a balloons game or came in contact with a balloons game at some point. Like I think I wrote an article again about a month ago about uh, tower defense games made in Scotland, and when I covered uh, BTD, I mentioned that like yeah, there must only be about three people on the planet that have not came in contact with these dart-throwing monkeys and their balloon adversaries. Something as well that I thought was interesting that uh, the Ninja Kiwi guys um, had to say about it was, as you know, as well as obviously the financial backing, the kind of cross, the sharing of knowledge that comes from an acquisition, which is something that doesn't get really talked about as, as often, but you know, they were saying that marketing has never really been their strong suit and that's something obviously that will hugely benefit from being part of M- MTG and also, you know, with MTG owning ESL as well, you know, is there oh, an yeah, opportunity yeah. for them to look into esports, right? Because now they have access, or at least a, a closer connection, a direct connection to like, basically the biggest name going in esports, right? So it's so interesting to get those kind of like cross pollination type things yeah definitely and uh speaking of cross pollination our next two stories uh interconnect quite well we covered yesterday at time of recording so wednesday that uh, dundee has been selected for uh, for being a 5g testbed and then today we spoke about how Aberté uni has been ranked the best university in europe for games stu- uh, games courses 
and those two stories are linked quite quite closely with Abertay being behind the whole 5G testbed supporting that quite strongly. But essentially, um, how the Dundee being a 5G testbed, they're putting a, an innovation hub in Dundee and yeah, it's just they're at the sort of forefront of of that 5G tech and that means an awful lot, not just for, like, you know, your mobile or whatever. It's also a big thing for game development and it gives it gives developers a lot of opportunities that they didn't have before and of course Dundee is a natural choice for that because as we mentioned there are quite a lot of developers in Dundee. They're the sort of the capital of games in Scotland and that includes mobile games so that also helps them out there and by being able to better utilise things like AR and AI technology it's just it's truly exciting. I, I think this is this is it's been a really busy week. It's been a great week for Dundee, thanks to you know Chrome Adventures and uh, all the good stuff that's going on. And congratulations to Gregor and Dana and Ruth and Charlie, the whole team at Abertay for, for all of this. I mean, there's so many good things going on up there. And for the seventh year in a row, Abertay has been voted the best place in Europe to study video games. And so our hats go off to them and uh, clearly we all need to get together and have a great big party at some point because uh, it's just one more example of the extreme awesomeness of uh, Scotland's gaming ecosystem. But alongside being the best place to to sort of learn about video games, the introduction of Dundee as a, as a 5G test bed is, is again going to be a step change because 5G does not just mean you get faster streaming, you get faster downloads. 5G is an enabler of really disruptive technologies. You know, primarily maybe the internet of things, you know, so if you've got strong 5G signal across the city, you can have, you know, really cheap sensors and you can have so many things hooked up and that can really open up entirely new doors, new ways of of looking at everything from retail to travel to personal safety. All of these kind of things are, are really can be explored and can be pioneered by companies in the round Dundee and the university because they've got this incredible new infrastructure. It really does take some looking into, you know, there, there's a whole episode looking at 5G because it's not just you get Netflix but faster, you know, it really does cause a, a step change in the capabilities for for everything and obviously obviously this will have a knock-on in gaming you know it, it could have a profound impact on the um the esports arena because all of a sudden you might not need the wired connections i think they will still you know plumb them in but if you've got uh you know completely awesome 5g you should be able to to get you know broadband quality speeds net you know fiber quality speeds without fiber it, it's it's a really extraordinary difference you know it's it's a logarithmic difference rather than just a you know as i say hello it's my emails are working hooray and you know apart from anything else this should be one more step one step closer to frankie boyle having to shut up and not take the piss out of dundee every single time he's on the television because what's he got left to complain about admittedly the trains okay but you know they're coming back into public ownership as well so you know you never know we might be removing the last jokes that can be made about dundee in polite company and i for one welcome the day but i'm aberdonian i like making fun of the the closest city to me it's just it dundee's it dundee's an easy target and then walter's become the next target and i'm i'm not looking forward to that yeah but but no i aberdeen is already a, a fiber city you know, um, thanks to City Fiber, you guys are you guys are getting there. Don't worry about it. It's just, it, it's the, the it's the accents and the you know the number of deconsecrated churches that have been turned into bars. Um, oh yeah, we've got a lot of those. Um, I didn't notice how many bars we had in the Aberdeen City Centre until my girlfriend's mum came up to visit, and we were walking through the city centre, and she was like. There's an awful lot of pubs here, aren't there? Isn't there? And I was like, I'd, I'd never noticed that. But yeah, you're right. Every second, it's like it's, there's a shop, then there's a pub, and then there's another pub, and then a couple more pubs, then another shop, and then rinse and repeat. Um, yeah, so I, we do, we do tend to like turning churches into pubs and nightclubs and stuff. 
There's just so many of them, you know? We made yep. a load of granite, well, we got a lot of granite, and we were like, we'll build some churches, and then when people didn't need those churches anymore, we were like, pubs, we like pubs. And, and you know, let's be honest, guys, right? It's We're not going to run out of places to make fun of anytime soon. As a proud Fifer, I can absolutely hand on heart say that Glenrothes and Kirkcaldy deserve pretty much whatever they get. And as somebody who has once worked in East Kilbride, yeah, it's just ripe for a kicking. Let's be honest. Um, but, you know, they're lovely places full of charm and with lots and lots to offer. But, yeah, one of the benefits of lockdown is not having to go anywhere near them. Um, anyway, we, we need to kind of move on because we're at risk of alienating so many of our of our um, listening audience. Uh, so not everything happens at Aberté, of course. Uh, Scotland has a really vi- rich and varied um, games studies and academic network of universities producing games graduates which brings us to our last story of the week and Mr Gordon this was yours yes uh, so the, the other university we're talking about here is the University of the West of Scotland uh, so there is a also a long-running games design and development course there uh, and some other associated courses there's computer animation and uh, just general computer technology courses. Don't forget audio production, and audio, production. audio guys get really pissed off. I'm sorry, audio guys. I'm one of you, don't hate me. They're holding a kind of showcase event uh, called the Virtual Immersive Showcase. And this is basically, imagine, I was going to say an imagine a degree show, but this is very much a works in, work in progress type thing. But it's, it's basically a chance for students to show off all of the hard work and the things that they've been working on in front of each other, in front of people in the industry. It's basically just like a fantastic kind of networking event that could be how they get seen by a potential future employer, or it could be how a potential future employer scouts out, you know, the next big idea, something like that. It's basically where the talent will be. It's all going to be happening online, so obviously you don't have to be in the west of Scotland, you don't have to be in around Glasgow to participate. And we know the team there, we know the, the, the teaching team, we've met a lot of the students online at various events and on social channels. So we would highly recommend going and checking it out because they are a good bunch. And uh, yeah, you could be looking at a potential employee or future colleague. So go along, say hello, tell them we sent you. Yeah, overall, a very, very exciting week in the world of both tech and video games in Scotland. It's been a blast covering it, but it's also been a wee bit, you know, hectic. Like every, I feel like every five minutes we've got a, a new message on our group chat being like, oh, there's a new story, we'll need to cover that. Um, and we're, we're just three guys, you know, we don't have a... We don't have a massive newsroom or anything. Uh, I mean, not like we could be using a newsroom right now, but you know, we don't have one anyway. So, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and I think mostly, if not all, positive. You know, I don't think there's a single thing that's happened this week that has been a hindrance to the video game industry in Scotland. You know, at all. No, it, it's all been good. It's all been really positive, and it's all been progress. You know, this is all progress and, and sometimes it can feel like we're just going round and round in the same sort of old groove, maybe st- a bit stuck in a rut. But then all of a sudden a week like this comes along and it gives you new faith that, you know what, we're actually doing pretty well. Um, especially, you know, my, my big takeaway for the week is with all this government stuff going on, there could be major changes underway. I don't know how you guys feel. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I think stay tuned to SGN and just keep an eye on your local games studios in general to, yeah, just because it'll be an exciting time. I think it's going to be, this next 12 months is going to be something to behold. Yeah, I would say it's just probably, I guess some of us who have been close to it, I kind of have this kind of background feeling all the time that there's like so much in potential and talent and, you know, I, I guess just having something concrete that would give you the framework to make the, those kind of things happening is really encouraging. You know, like it's, instead of it being like, oh, this would be really cool if something happened, it looks like probably something really cool is going to happen. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Well, listen, I, I, I would like to do the spotlight this week if that's okay, guys. Of course. Take it yeah. away. So finally, folks, listeners, um, everyone out there who's bothered to tune in, we like to take a uh, a moment every week to just highlight some of the good work that's going on in uh, and around the, Scot- the Scottish games industry. So this week we would like to spotlight our friend, podcaster and journalist Louise Blaine. Louise is running a 
an ongoing series on Radio 3 called The Sound of Gaming. Um, if you want to tune in on a Sunday, you'll find it on Radio 3. Obviously, you can find it on BBC iPlayer and The Sounds app. Um, she covers everything from the big blockbusters through to the up-and-coming indies and really tries to capture an awful lot of the variety, diversity and virtuoso performances that you're starting to hear in game soundtracks. So a big shout out to Louise and if you enjoy the odd gaming soundtrack then we thoroughly recommend going and checking her out. Yeah, a few weeks ago we uh, spotlighted friend of the show Lucy Holland's radio uh, show, The Console, and if you did go off and listen to that on Scala Radio and you liked it, then this is definitely up your street. With uh, The Sound of Gaming, they take on a new composer every week to do a wee interview bit where they sort of chat back and forth, and that can provide a really interesting insight. So if you're interested in games music or you want to get into that field yourself you know games composing it's just well worth a listen and not only that it's just good music as well so if you're just interested in hearing something that you might not normally listen to definitely check out the show yeah that's what wraps us up for this week thank you ever so much for watching dear listener it's it's been a blast and as always we've been your hosts i've been ryan i've been brian and i've been andrew and you've been listening to the scottish games network podcast and we shall see you next time